Hello and welcome to Judge a Book by Its Cover, a little city library podcast where the name of the podcast is almost longer than the books we discuss. I'm Bellette. And I'm Pete. We're librarians at the Mary Riley Stiles Public Library in the city of Falls Church. This is a book review podcast where we judge books by their covers. Then we actually read them, talk about the book, and see how close we got. We tend to read novellas for this review because anyone can have time for a novella. And we don't focus on any particular genre because why limit ourselves? Without further ado, we're going to start off by giving you our predictions based on the cover of today's book, You Should Have Left, by Daniel Kelman. We've attached an image of that cover so you can judge right along with us. Pete, you want to start off by giving us your judgment? Sure. So at first glance, it appeared to me to be like a couple of waterfalls stacked on top of each other, but on closer inspection, it looked more like a distorted image of a piece of metal. Then I noticed at the very bottom of the cover, there's a photo of some roofs in a maybe a bucolic country setting, maybe some barns. The warped images coupled with the title makes me think this may be a dark story. The image here reminds me of a slice of earth where you can see the different layers molding around one another. Not perfectly straight like a cake, but very organic. Some of the layers are black, others appear to be slices of an image, maybe even one single image of a small town. And if we're looking at a small town with distorted layers, my prediction is that this book is a slice of life in this small town where everything isn't quite what it seems from the outside. Not wrong, not right necessarily either. What was this book actually about? So this book was published in 2016. It's an epistolary novel written in the form of the journal of our unnamed narrator. He and his wife and daughter take a trip to, it's it's sort of an unnamed place, but I'm guessing it's maybe southern Germany or Switzerland. And it quickly becomes apparent that something isn't right. The rooms aren't where he remembers. His notebook contains words that aren't his own. His life isn't what he thought, and his marriage feels like it's falling apart. It's part horror, part supernatural tale, and part family drama. And interspersed throughout are the narrator's attempts to write a screenplay for sort of like a screwball roommate dramedy, which provides a serious like contrast to the weird, dark stuff that's happening otherwise. In addition to the unnamed narrator, there's his wife, Susanna, and their child, Esther. There's also sort of like a creepy weirdo shopkeeper that the narrator interacts with who gives him some foreshadowing for the weirdness that they will encounter in the cabin. Yeah, he warns them, but it's one of those warnings you get in horror novels or horror movies where you're like, this person's crazy. But he's not crazy, and things start to go very poorly very quickly. Bullet, you want to tell us about some of the themes of the novel? Yeah, one of the themes I found was this feeling of hollowness that kind of flows through this character in his life. Even in his initial success for his screenplay, Besties, it just feels like he's going through the motions. An example of this is that in the book, he mentions that he told film students that they must know everything about their characters, but he admits in his journal that he only said that because it was in a textbook. The quote from that is, I don't have the slightest idea what happened in Jana or Ella's childhood, and it doesn't interest me either. Jana and Ella, in this brief snippet of a passage, of course, are his two main characters from his original screenplay success. This just helps further hammer in the hollowness to our narrator, his life, and the work he has devoted it to, all of which fell rather flat to me. So it was hard for me to get invested with him or his family because none of them are very good people and the poor daughter is kind of a victim in this whole situation. She is, and unfortunately she's also kind of annoying, so you don't really (laughs) sympathize with her. I mean, more than the 
parents. Yeah. She's a toddler. I think you're allowed to be a little annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And one other thing I'd add in terms of like a theme is the inability to understand what's going on or fix problems that are spiraling out of control. So, you know, you've got this weird stuff going on in the house and maybe that's an analogy of a family situation that's spinning out of control and this guy doesn't seem to realize he's trying to, you know, spend all this time pouring his heart and soul into like a crappy screwball comedy sequel while his wife and kid are like suffering from a lack of attention because they're supposed to be on vacation together. So it's kind of like The Shining. You're just doing all the wrong things and focusing on the wrong things while the stuff that's important is falling by the wayside. I totally agree with all of that. In terms of the horror aspect of this, halfway through the book, the line between reality and dreams starts to blur and it never really stops. I think it just kind of ramps up from that point. And you can see it in his journal. He starts to notice things that he didn't remember writing. He also starts having these kind of more dreamlike experiences in this house. The walls aren't where he thought they were. The doors aren't where he remembers them being. And when he reaches for a faucet, he should be grabbing it, but he's reaching past and isn't able to make contact. It becomes very dreamlike. I didn't really get creeped out by this book, and I am a pretty big chicken about these kind of things. Did you feel the horror aspect of it? I know a lot of people did because I read the reviews and a lot of people did find it frightening. At the very end, I did enjoy some of the creepiness. You know, I knew it was coming. He sort of I guess I'll say spoiler alert here. At a certain point, he at least gets his wife and kid out of there, but for some reason feels compelled to go back into the house. And at that point, I knew it was going to get really strange. And there were some parts at that last 15 or 20 pages that I enjoyed. I think the author, Kaleman, did a good job of conveying the confusion of, you know, living inside of a Rubik's Cube where everything is always changing and even time ceased to be linear. So I, I did sort of appreciate that aspect to it. And, and, and yeah, if you are someone who enjoys horror, I would recommend it for that feeling of disorientation that it imparts. Yeah, it's like an inevitable dread that starts to set in. And about halfway through the novel, there was this moment, I won't spoil it, but it was very foreboding. And that was probably one of my favorite moments where the narrator and his wife start to take one action, but it's too late to do whatever they're going to do. So who do you think got closer with our cover judgments, Bullet? Well, it wasn't necessarily, it was kind of a slice of life. Not in a... <laughs> Not, Not really. Not your life, I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends on whose life we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, everything wasn't quite what it appeared, as I said, but I wasn't expecting the horror aspects that we got here. Yeah, I think I was kind of right on with the sort of warped distortion, and you were kind of right on with your slices of earth, which makes me think of the mountains and what they were looking at. So kind of lame, but I think we sort of tie it again. Again, yeah. We're both looking at, seems like, different aspects and getting the other half right. <laughs> yeah. We'll try to be one of us completely right and one of us completely wrong yeah. next time. And yeah, it sounds like we'd both mildly recommend this, maybe more for horror aficionados. Yeah, I wasn't blown away. I did like some of the narrative elements, the way the author used sentence structure to show the descent of the narrator into madness or whatever it is that's taking hold of him. 
I felt like I was left hanging, but I think that was part of the plan. So this book probably just wasn't for me. It's for horror fans in the vein of The Shining or House of Leaves. But again, it's a novella. If it's something, a genre, you know, maybe you've never read a horror book and you'd like to try one out without investing too much, House of Leaves being a major investment. Yes. <laughs> this would be a good way for you to do that. And Halloween is coming up. Um, so maybe At least when we're recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just realized that. Well, whether Halloween is coming or not, this book is probably still worth checking out, especially if you're interested in the genre or if you're interested in just checking out a book in a genre you don't really often read. But what do we have in store for our audience next month, Pete? Next month, we'll be judging The Kingdom of This World by Alejo Carpentier. Now we're going to leave you with a trivia question related to today's novel. Yes, and if you are the first to leave the correct answer in the comments, we will waive all of the fines from your library account, or you will get your choice of one free book from the library book sale. Today, Pete is going to read us a passage that will hopefully help you answer the question, which we will pose after his reading. I am going to read from The Hidden Reality, Parallel Universes, and the Deep Laws of the Cosmos by Brian Greene from 2011. And here's the passage. After decades of closely studying quantum mechanics, and after having accumulated a wealth of data confirming its probabilistic predictions, no one has been able to explain why only one of the many possible outcomes in any given situation actually happens. When we do experiments, when we examine the world, we all agree that we encounter a single definite reality. Yet, more than a century after the quantum revolution began, there is no consensus among the world's physicists as to how this basic fact is compatible with the theory's mathematical expression. So Pete, why did you choose this particular passage for our trivia question this week? So I chose this because one explanation for the weird stuff that happens in this novella is parallel universes converging and really confusing anyone who happens to stumble into them as well as the people who are reading about that. Yes. And my trivia question is, name the theory that Brian Greene is a proponent of. So leave us your answer in the comments. We'll be back next month with another new episode, so remember to tune in then, or better yet, just hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using. Thanks for joining us for Judge a Book by Its Cover, a Little City Library podcast. And remember, you have our permission to keep on judging. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Woo.